We are honored today to have with us an evangelist out of Brother Mark Hattaball's church in Cooper City, Evangelist Bo Million. He is going to be a wonderful blessing to this congregation. We get out of the word what we put into the word. So let's stand to our feet, clap our hands unto the Lord, welcome the man of God into this pulpit, and let's preach the man of God today. Well, praise the Lord, everyone. Is anybody excited to be in church Sunday morning? Anybody like what they feel here in the tabernacle this morning? We can feel the presence of the Lord here. We can feel the power of God here. And if you're thankful for what you feel this morning, why don't you worship the Lord for another few seconds? Because He alone is worthy. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Well, what an honor it is to be here with you all this morning. It looks wonderful here. What a wonderful crowd. What a wonderful church. We are, my wife and I are so thankful to be here. We're going to turn to Daniel chapter 3. We're going to read verses 19 through 26 as well as verse 28. Uh, but we want to give Pastor Kyle and his wonderful family honor. What a wonderful pastor you have and what a wonderful pastor's family that you have. <laughs> pastor Kyle... And I, I don't know if I can say go way, way back. I guess it's way back for me, but uh, teaching SFBI at our church as one of the, the Bible school teachers, he would teach the book of, Revela uh, of Galatians, sorry, not Revelation, Galatians, although we could probably use a, a reminder of Revelation right now, praise the Lord. <laughs> but he would teach the book of Galatians, and it was always an honor to be there. He was such a great voice to the Bible school Great teacher, great student, anointed, powerful man of God. We're very thankful. Uh, I, of course, give honor to my wife. I have a problem sometimes when I preach. I forget to give honor to my wife, and then I look horrible, and everyone's like, why would you not give her honor? So I'm, I'm going out of my way this morning. I give my wife honor. Cool story. So this church has hosted Reaching Our Kids, the Rock Conference, for how many years? 27 years, wow. Okay, so back in 2011, it was my first rock conference. If I could say it like that, rock conference. <laughs> and I had been in church probably for about, what, a month at that time. And, you know, I'm meeting a bunch of young people, a bunch of youth and everything. I'm 20 years old. I'm fresh out of the world, still getting over drug addiction and everything. And I end up meeting someone very special back in 2011 at Rock. So my wife and I met here, so that's pretty awesome. I give honor to my pastor, Pastor Mark Hattaball. Let me turn on my timer before I forget. I give honor to my pastor, Pastor Hattaball, who he believes in me. He supports me. There's never been an opportunity that's come my way that he is shunned from me, but he does make sure to go out of his way and tell me how he feels about it. It's a test of submission. It's a test of submission. He'll let you know. Your pastor will let you know opportunities that come around. But will you listen to the counsel of the man of God in your life? Amen. I'm thankful for his counsel. Amen. Amen. Daniel chapter 3, verses 19 through 26, as well as verse 28. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury... 
And the form of his visage was changed against, against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their hosen, and, and their hats, and their other garments, and were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent, and the furnace exceeding hot, the flames of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell, fell down bound in the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished and rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, ye servants of the Most High God, come forth and come hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth of the midst of the fire. And verse 28 reads, Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who hath sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him and have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. We could have an altar call right there. Isn't that powerful? There's something powerful that happens when we as the people of God stand for truth. Stand for righteousness and stand for the word of God. It was this fire which was a vessel that, that King Nebuchadnezzar tried to use to destroy the people of God. But it was the fire that he tried to use that ended up birthing a promise and seeing revival which would cause the king to repent. So I want to preach today from the title, Born in the Fire. I want to preach from born in the fire. If you're excited for what the Lord's going to do this morning, would you put your Bibles down and raise your hands unto the Lord of glory for just another moment? Why don't we worship the Lord for just another moment? Father, we love you and we thank you. There is no God like you. There is no one like our Lord. There is no God like our God. And so, Father, we pray right now that you would have your divine and complete way this morning. We release the gift of faith into the atmosphere. We release miracle signs and wonders into the atmosphere this morning. Let us receive our breakthroughs this morning. Let us re receive strength and faith in Jesus' name. Why don't we worship the Lord for just another second before we sit down? Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, church, and you may be seated. So I have a problem when I preach. I tend to go zero to 60 in about one and a half seconds, so let's get ready for this, okay? I'm going to give you a few good opportunities to start with an amen. Are we ready? Amen. As the apostolic church, we believe that the Bible is the infallible Word of God. 
I've preached to some places where they weren't ready for that, so I had to repeat myself. <laughs> we believe that every word inside of the Bible is the words of truth. We believe that all of the promises inside of the Word of God are sure to come to pass. We believe that the power of the Word of God is still present today. See, when you walked into the church this morning, you walked into an atmosphere where the Bible comes to life. Because as the Bible says, ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Reminds me of the song, he set me free. Yes, he set me free. He broke the bonds of prison for me. I'm glory bound my Jesus to see. Glory to God, he has set me free. Is anybody thankful to be set free by Jesus this morning? There are certain things that you should expect to see when you step into our church. You should expect to see people worshiping and praising God. For Psalms 34, 1 reads, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. You should expect to hear the word of God preached in our church because Mark 16, 15 reads, and he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Amen. You can expect the church to experience the miraculous. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 reads, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding and abundantly above all that we could ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church. Someone say, it's in me. It's in me. The miraculous virtue is inside of me. And you can expect to see people getting baptized in Jesus' name and receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost when you step into the church. Acts 2.38 reads, and we could all probably quote it together. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Here's the part that I love. For the promise is unto you and to your children, and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. I'm thankful that I was called by God. I was called by God to be baptized in his name, to receive his spirit. And I'm thankful that Jesus picked me up and turned me around. Thank you, Jesus. He picked me up. And if you haven't been baptized in Jesus' name this morning or received the Holy Ghost, he can pick you up this morning. If you haven't received the promise in your life, it's for you this morning. Amen. As a matter of fact, since the very beginning of the church, blind eyes have been opened. The lame have walked. The dumb have talked. Financial needs have been met. The drug addicts have become sobered up, and I was one of them. Alcoholics have been dried up, and I was one of them. The possessed have been set free, and I can say I was one of them. I was one of them, and the fatherless have felt the love of the everlasting Father. The promise and the prophecy of Isaiah 9-6 still rings true. For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. I was connected with a young man not too long ago. 
name was Luke. Not you, sir. <laughs> His name was Luke, and he's the cousin of a buddy of mine who lives up in Chicago, in the Illinois area. And uh, my buddy called me. He said, hey, man, I got my cousin who lives not too far from you. He's going through a lot right now, in and out of prison. He's only 20 years old, addicted to drugs, hard drugs, and he keeps on finding himself in a rough situation, borderline homeless. I mean, just name it, the worst of the worst situation that you could imagine. And one of the things that, that, that stood out to me is when I heard about his story, I heard that his father was not really around. He did not experience the love of a father, a father who can train up and a father who can lead and guide their child. And so I got connected with him, and I began to pray with him, pray for him over the phone. It was tough at first. First time I called him, he said, who is this? I said, this is Bo. Your cousin gave me your number. He wanted me to give you a call. And he goes, I don't have a cousin. Hangs up on me. <laughs> Good start, right? <laughs> About three days later, he texts me. He goes, hey, man, I'm sorry. I don't know what I was thinking. Um, I'm going through a rough time right now. Could we talk? So little by little began to talk more and more here and, and a couple weeks go by and we weren't able to meet up because our schedules were conflicting. But I prayed with him over the phone. He said, look, man, I'm about to get evicted from my place and I'm, I, I keep on doing drugs. Anytime I work and get a paycheck, the money goes straight to drugs and I'm just, I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm lost. I don't know what to do. I'm broken right now. I said, Luke, there's one thing we can do right now. We could pray. And so we began to pray in Jesus' name. And he began to cry on the phone for the first time in a long time. He began to cry on the phone, and I could hear as tears of deliverance began to stream down his face, even over the phone. And he told me that he grew up in the church. He was a backslider. He had been baptized in Jesus' name. He had the Holy Ghost. It just been some time since. I said, well, do these couple things and give me a call and tell me how it goes. And instead, he sends me a text message. He goes, Bo... I've made up my mind. I'm flying home to my family up in Illinois, and I'm going to the rehab up there that's based out of an apostolic church. See, he began to feel the love of an everlasting father in his life once again as the tears began to stream down his face. And as we prayed once on the phone, he, he began to feel that love that he had not felt in so long. And it's the love of our everlasting father that draws us closer to deliverance. It draws us closer to an altar. It draws us closer to the throne room of Jesus. And I just want to say today, I'm thankful for my everlasting father. From the very beginning of time, God has always manifested his glory in the church. The church has been engulfed by the power of God from the very beginning. And as a matter of fact, God has always showed himself in a mighty and powerful way, just as he did with Luke. Remember when God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt? How about when Gideon led the people of God into battle, and because of their submission and praise, they defeated the enemy? We sure remember when the shepherd boy defeated the giant with no more than one flat stone. How about on the day of Pentecost when God poured out his spirit for the very first time and the church was birthed? Whether it was the miracles that we read about in scripture 
or even the miracles that we hear about from the elders before us. Constantly, we hear about the church being so in love with Jesus that there is no doubt that those before us were so on fire for Jesus that nothing could stop them. Nothing could stop them. Persecution couldn't keep Israel silent. Opposition couldn't keep David and his army quiet. Complacency couldn't keep Peter in the boat. Hardship couldn't keep Paul quiet, and the pain and torment couldn't keep Jesus off of the cross. See, the Bible says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if that is the case, if that is our reality, then we can see the same miraculous power today that we read about in Scripture and that we hear about from our elders. But if this is our reality, then it is time that we allow it to be born in the fire. It is time that we allow our destiny to be born in the fire. Daniel chapter 3 gives the account of a wicked king by the name of Nebuchadnezzar. This wicked king desired to take the attention away from the one true God and bring it on to himself. This wicked king desired to be acknowledged for his power, wealth, ability, the king desired to be acknowledged for his intellect and, and in pursuit of glorifying himself, he built a statue that was somewhere around 90 feet high and 9 feet wide. Nebuchadnezzar's first line of business was to get all of the officials together. The princes, the governors, the captains of their army, all of their judges, treasurers, counselors, sheriffs, any ruler that was within the land. And they were commanded to gather around the statue where they would hear the command from the herald or their messenger. It is commanded of you that when you hear the sound of the trumpet blow, all of you under the sound of the, of the horn shall bow down and worship the image which your king has built. And whosoever refuses shall be thrown into the fiery furnace. See, it was the objective of the king to go ahead and to take everyone as they were going on throughout their day, any business transaction, when they would hear the horns or the, or, the, or, or the trumpet sound, they would have to stop it all, and they would have to bow down before the statue. Anytime someone would be maybe teaching a class or, or working with some nonprofit, they would have to stop everything they were doing and bow down. He desired to silence every Bible study that was being taught. He desired to silence every church service that was going on. He desired to shut the mouths of any preacher that was preaching the word of God in the streets because he wanted the glory for himself. He desired it for himself. And the devil will always try to get our attention off of the work of Jesus and onto himself in hopes of putting the fire out in your life. So you can leave a powerful, Holy Ghost-filled prayer meeting, but the enemy will sound the trumpet of politics to shut down the fire that's inside of your life. You could be in the middle of teaching a Bible study on the oneness of God, and the enemy will desire to shut it down by sounding off the trumpet of lust or greed or what's going on in the world's affairs, all in hopes of taking your focus off of Jesus. We must be, we must be aware that the enemy is still trying to fight the church. 
We must be aware that the enemy is still trying to silence the people of God. We must be aware that the enemy is still trying to shut the mouths of truth. But I come here to say I'm standing for truth no matter what. I come standing for truth no matter what. I come standing for righteousness no matter what. I come standing for the gospel of Jesus Christ no matter what. It's sad you could be in a service and you could be preaching out of service on deliverance, miracle, signs, wonders, the power of God and see people flock in the altars. See travail and intercession break through all throughout the sanctuary. And little by little, as the weeks go on, you start to hear about these people who were once praying so passionately in these altars begin to now walk away little by little by little because the horns and the sounds of social media and acceptance begin to now flood their ears and their spirits. And as they begin to get a little bit colder and colder and colder because the trumpets of the affairs of this world are sounding off, it's because the king of this world, not King Jesus, but the prince of the air is trying to tear you down and try to take your focus off of what's important. It's the devil that's trying to take our focus off of Jesus Christ. Next, we see the alarm being sounded off. The trumpets are blowing and the dulcimers are being strummed. And instantly, people from all around the land that were bowing down, people from all around were kneeling down, worshiping a statue that was colder than night. And instantly, flocks and flocks of people were kneeling down before a statue, not out of respect, not out of love, but out of fear, fear of being killed, fear of being burned alive, fear of persecution. We see no one standing up for truth except three Hebrew boys. See, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were the three Hebrew boys in the midst of Babylonians, meaning that when they heard the sound of the trumpets, they were surrounded by people who were more than willing to rat them out, which they did. And these three Hebrew boys were now being exposed by the Chaldeans, and the king, out of anger, demanded that they be brought before him. See, this world will challenge our faith. And if you refuse to bow down to the policies of this world, the world will mock and ridicule you. If you stand against sin, the world will come against you. If you stand for righteousness, the world will pressure you to fall. And the moment you stand in opposition to the world's beliefs, the enemy will try to single you out and attempt to lose your fire. As soon as you stand up for the gospel and for truth, the enemy will do whatever he can in his power to try to expose you of your failures, of your guilt, of your condemnation, and, and all those things that you've done wrong. He will try to expose you to silence the fire. But don't give in, because greater is he that is in me than he that is is in the world. Greater is the Jesus that lives inside of me than the enemy that lives in the world. Greater is the Holy Ghost that I have inside of me than the spirit that plagues the world. 
We must stand. We must stand. We must stand for truth. We must stand for righteousness. We must stand when it comes and we're in the face of adversity. We must stand, therefore, and see the salvation of the Lord. Is it true? Did you not bow down and worship my image? Said Nebuchadnezzar, filled with anger and fury. Don't you know that now I will throw you into the furnace? What God is it that will save you now? Those are fighting words right there. They answered with confidence. The one true God will deliver us out of your hand and out of this furnace. But here's the key. Here's the key that we got to remember. They had the faith that God would take them out of the furnace. They had the faith that God would save them from that torment, from that death. But there was something inside of their spirit that said, but if not, but if not, we still refuse to worship your God and your image. See, we must have a but if not spirit inside of us. You know, I, I trust that God will provide for me with my tithes, but if not. See, I, I trust that God will heal me today, but if not. I trust that God will deliver me today, but if not. Miracle signs and wonders are here today, but if not, but if God doesn't give me another miracle, if God never provides for me for another bill or for whatever, whatever my prayer is, I'm still going to worship him exclusively. I'm still going to praise the name of Jesus. I'm still going to give my all to him. He's done so much for me. I cannot tell it all. He's done so much for me. Come on, church. I cannot tell it all. When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he has done for me, my soul cries out. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, I feel a spirit of praise in the atmosphere here. I feel a spirit of thanksgiving here. Why don't we worship the Lord for a moment? Hasn't he been good to us? Hasn't he been great to us? Amen, amen. But if not, now we see an outraged, wicked king having a change in heart. No, not for the better, but his heart had increased in anger. And he demanded that the furnace be made seven times stronger. Takes these three Hebrew boys and everything they have and throws them into the fire. And the only courtesy that he shows them is making the fire hotter to get the job done quicker. Hallelujah. <laughs> but as the flames kindled hotter and hotter and as the room became brighter and brighter, all of the soldiers that were around the furnace were getting burnt up alive. Interesting. What is going on? Why are they still alive? But most of all, why is there a fourth one in there? Yeah, they, shouldn't, they should be dead right now. But if I'm correct, and I'm the king, so I'm always correct. 
We only put three people in there. Why is there a fourth? And I hope we get what I'm about to say. Because this is pretty much summing up the sermon here. Quite simple. It's because sometimes it takes being thrown in the fire to release the angel of the Lord. I'll say that again. Sometimes it takes being thrown in the fire to release the angel of the Lord. Sometimes it takes being thrown in the middle of persecution to release the angel of the Lord in your life, in your family, in your church, in your neighborhood, in your state, in your country. Sometimes it takes us being thrown in the midst of the fire to release the angel of the Lord for our lives. If there is something that 2020 has taught us, it's that we are to expect the unexpected. Churches all around our nation and even all around the world were preaching going into the year 2020, a year of vision. 2020, a year of vision. Increase growth, increase harvest, increase finances, the building fund, the building program, all the things we've been praying for. 2020 is the year, and we were believing it, and we were even prophesying it, and we were speaking it over ourselves. But it seemed that 2020 was the year that we were to expect the unexpected. One by one, little by little, we started to see increase of hardship in this year. Things started to get rough and now all of a sudden we were losing confidence in the year that we were in. My wife and I going into 2020, we were getting ready talking with Pastor Hat about 2020 is the year we start evangelizing. We're going to be full time and all these things and you know all the, the hopes and aspirations that would come with the field hopefully. And then all of a sudden, we go out to Brazil. Right after, Pastor Kyle, you went to Manaus just a couple weeks before we went there. And, and, and we went there. It was a powerful move of God. 18 young people got the Holy Ghost. And, I mean, we saw miracle signs and wonders. There were kids worshiping in the rain under a tent and everything. It was just, it was unbelievable. We were, we were ready. Oh, it's game time. We're going back to America. We're going to preach about Brazil. And, and Holy Ghost is going to fall everywhere. And then the next week, they shut down every church. Yeah, that, 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 that'll kill your confidence a little bit. And it was only supposed to be a week or two, as we know. We all went through it. And then little by little, it went from being a week or two to, you know, okay, well, maybe we'll be out by Easter. And then Easter comes by, okay, well, maybe June, July. Then all of a sudden, summer's going through. And now we're getting into the new school year. And all the promises that my wife and I thought that we had, which we did have, but you know, all, all the hopes and aspirations were now being silenced. It was hurting. But we decided that we were not going to let the pandemic and the situation kill our fire. Okay, so if this is the case, what we need to start doing is preaching more Bible studies than ever before. What we need to do is try to evangelize however we can. We need to pray more than ever before. We need to fast more than ever before. We need to be in the word of God more than ever before. And, and, and here's the deal. I own a business. My income is cleaning your cars. That's my business. I'm a detailer. And then when COVID hits, I'm like, 
<clears throat> I don't know how this is going to work. But it's funny. I put my business in God's hands. Gave an offering, faith seed. I, I sowed into that. I sowed into the ministry with my business. And then little by little, I was getting phone call after 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 phone call and it doesn't stop there because it was phone call after phone call after phone call and I and and, and when I went into this pandemic I was scared for what was going to happen with us but my business more than doubled throughout this season And not only that, the Lord has connected me with amazing, influential people. And it's my prayer that I could reach them and evangelize to them. But there's something interesting that, I, that, that we see in the book of Ezekiel. He starts off his book and he says, I was among the captives. It's a very interesting saying. After all, there was persecution going on. I mean, there were... They were taken over, their land was basically taken over by Babylonians and everything. And, and there are a point of persecution where now people were literally dying. Some historians and theologians, as they go back into the life of Ezekiel and as they kind of understand how the empire that took over Judah was. And one of the ways that the king over there would, I guess you can say, suppress the people, it was a method of psychological warfare. And he would bring all the women and children, they'd walk down the street by the rivers, and, and then they would see the fathers and the soldiers laying dead at the side of the road. And you got to understand, you know, a young boy like Ezekiel and all the other children that were there, they were probably terrified. They were probably terrified for what to expect. But it was a means of psychological warfare, because what the king was telling the, the Israelites and the people of God is, who do you have fighting for you now? Who do you have fighting for you, na for you now? Then Ezekiel starts off a little, few years later. Starts off with Ezekiel chapter 1. And he says, I was among the captives. That word among is a very interesting word. It means I was with them. But he didn't say I was one of them. He said I was among the captives. But I wasn't one of them. I was among the persecuted. And those that were under torment. But I wasn't one of them. What's the difference between Ezekiel and the rest of the others? Ezekiel had a promise from God and he was holding on to it. Ezekiel had a promise from God to be a prophet to the nations and he was not going to let go of that word from the Lord and I come today to say that yes we might be in the midst of pandemic in 2020 but we're only among the captives we are not captives because we are children of the lamb we are the children of God and here's an interesting correlation if we can begin to put the puzzle pieces together, don't we find in Ezekiel chapter 37, God takes him to a valley of dry bones, says, can these bones live? He responds with, I don't know, you tell me. God says, speak to the dry bones, speak to the wind, 
prophesy over them. And instantly the sinews and the tendons and the skin and all that began to come back to life and they're risen out of the grave. I have this belief and I don't know, it's just an inkling. I'm not saying this is, this is true or not. I'm just saying this is what I personally believe. I personally believe that there is a chance that those Valley of Dry Bones were the same soldiers that Ezekiel, that Ezekiel saw as a young boy. And so what, what was God doing? He was saying, I'm going to revive the faith of the people. I'm going to revive the faith in the people of God. They thought that they had no future. They thought that they had no destiny because they saw their fathers and their soldiers laying by the side of the street. But I'm going to raise them up. I'm going to raise them up, and I'm going to do it through a prophet. <laughs> Pastor Kyle, I don't know how this happens. I don't know how you can go through the midst of a pandemic and still see people baptized and getting the Holy Ghost every single week. I don't know how that happens, except for the fact that you were just among the captives. I don't know how we can still see revival when no one's allowed to go outside of their house, except for the fact that you were just among the captives. You were not captive. You were just among the captives. You were just among the prisoners. You were, like, you were like Paul and Silas in the middle of the prison in the book of Acts. And in the midnight hour, they began to praise and worship God. And suddenly there was a great earthquake. And they were released. They were sent out. And they were rescued. Musicians, if you would come, please. And so as we've gone through... This season, as we've gone through this pandemic, allow me to speak a word of encouragement that the Lord spoke to me yesterday when praying for today. God spoke to me, I will never forsake you. <laughs> May not sound so profound, but I will never forsake you, the Lord spoke to me. Someone receive that word right now. God will never forsake you. God will never forsake you. It doesn't matter what's happening in the political climate around you. It doesn't matter what's going on with politics or, or all these things going on or, or pandemics or viruses or anything. God will never forsake you. God has shown himself faithful time and time again. And through times of uncertainty and times where you thought that there was no hope, the Lord has always stood by you because he will never forsake his children. The Lord has always stood by you because he has never been known to leave the righteous forsaken or nor his seed begging bread. But as things and, and the climate around us gets rougher and rougher and rougher, hear this. You will be a brighter light than ever before. You will be a brighter light than ever before because the Lord will never forsake you. He's going to cause you to go through a season where of revival. He's going to cause you to go through it. In the midst of turmoil and tragedy, you are going to see great, great revival. Why? Why are you going to see it? Because you survived the fire. Your destiny has been born in the fire. Your future 
has been born in the fire. If we could all stand. If we could begin to pray right now. I feel the Lord is speaking to some people here this morning. Some direct words. The Lord's speaking. Open your spirit to hear what the Lord has to say. I'm done preaching. Now it's time to open your spirit to receive what the Lord wants to tell you. I spoke what the Lord wants to tell the body, but now God wants to speak to you personally. Maybe it's been a while since you heard from the Lord. Maybe it's been a while. Open your spirit right now. Let it come upon you like a rushing mighty wind. That's it. Open your spirit to the Lord right now. The still, small voice. What's the Lord telling you right now? I feel a spirit of restoration here right now. The Lord is restoring to some people. Maybe you failed and you feel like you can't do anything because of your failure. But allow me to tell you that your failures will not prevent you from being used of God. Maybe you've made some mistakes. And these mistakes crippled you to the point where you thought there was no hope. But we serve a God that uplifts us with the right hand of his righteousness. He shall restore unto us the years that the locust and the palmer worm, the canker worm, and the caterpillar hath eaten up. He shall bring restoration unto us in like a manner where everything has consumed us, everything has taken over us, and we've got to a point where it took over even our joy. But the Lord shall restore. If you feel comfortable coming forward to the altar, please do. Be sure to wear your mask and practice social distancing as appropriate. But I really feel it's necessary that we turn this whole sanctuary into an altar. That we turn this whole sanctuary into an altar right now. The Lord's birthing something. Something's about to be born in the fire. Something's about to be born out of the adversity that we've seen. Something's about to be born out of it all. Come on, church, let's pray. 
Let's pray right now. Let's pray right now. Let's tap into what the flow of the Spirit is. Let's tap into God's flow right now. Let's tap into what the Lord is trying to speak to us right now. Allow impartation to be here for you to receive from the Lord right now. Maybe you've been feeling alone, but you're not alone. Maybe you've been praying for something and you haven't seen the answer, but Jesus is still standing by you. He still loves you. He's still proud of you. There's a new strength that's coming upon us this morning. There's a new strength that's coming upon us this morning. There's a new strength. There's virtue that's coming upon us this morning. Would you reach out and grab a hold of it right now? Would you reach out and grab a hold of the promise of God right now? Would you reach out and grab hold of the hem of his garment right now? There's healing in this altar right now. There's deliverance in this altar right now. There's restoration in this altar right now. There's breakthrough in this altar right now. But whose willingness to, to, to reach out and grab a hold of it? Who's willing to reach out and grab a hold of what there is? That's it, that's it, that's it, that's it. Reach out to it, reach out to it, reach out to it. Get desperate for it right now. Get desperate for right now. Let desperation come upon you and say, I'm not letting go, Jesus, until you bless me. I'm not letting go of you, Jesus, until you touch me. I'm not letting go of you, Jesus, until you strengthen me, until you encourage me, until I get a word from the Lord, until I get the strength of God, until I get virtue in my spirit, until I get my miracle, until I get my breakthrough.